Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Eli Garza. I get to serve here as the student and young adult pastor. I've been here a little over a year now and uh, just thankful for the opportunity to serve here. I love Calvary and it's been a huge blessing to me, to, to my wife, and we love our students and young adults. Thank you for faithfully praying for them. We ask that you continue to do that. Pray for us as we walk on this journey with our students and young adults. And in light of our students and young adults, we've recently wrapped up our semester this past Wednesday and Tuesday night. We had our, our, our final gatherings of the semester. We got to pray for one another and things like that. And, and one of the things that are often most requested to pray for are things like exams, right? Our students have to study a lot. They have to uh, work hard to make sure they get good grades so they can achieve what they're trying to do, go to the next grade or, 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 or pass the class so they can continue on their journey and their degree. And so I started thinking about tests in my life and, and how the lack of preparedness I had for them, but also the ones that I actually enjoyed and the ones that I was excited to study for, which there weren't many, but the only one that I can recall that I was extremely excited to pass was a test that for me signified an important part of my life. It was a turning point in my life that would change my life forever. It was a, a place that I knew would be kind of this next step in my life from, from, from boyhood to manhood, so to speak. And this test, right, I didn't care about anything other tests while, while I was in high school and college, but this one test, I studied hard, I prepared, I practiced in every way, and that was my driver's license test. That was the test that I was excited to pass. That was the one that I cared about the most, right? Because it, it meant that I was gonna have freedom. Get the keys, drive, go on this long journey on this road, see where it takes me, and, and hope that I don't run out of gas. Like, that. that is what... I was dreaming of. But before I could get to that point of passing my test, I needed to learn how to drive, right? I needed to practice. I needed to know the rules, left turn, right turn, things that the, for some reason in the valley don't exist, <laughs> right? Stopping at a red light, at a stop sign. But when I think about when it all started, it actually started when I was just maybe three or four years old. Maybe you've had this experience, but I used to live in, in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we lived in this little cul-de-sac, nice little mobile home, and, and, and the, the area was like on an uphill. So my dad would allow me to sit in his lap, right, at the end of the road, not too far, nothing too crazy, and he would let me sit in his lap as he drove, and, and I would steer the wheel, right? And I, that was so exciting for me as a kid. That was like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna drive, right? Like I'm gonna tell everyone at preschool that I'm driving now. And, and, and he would sit me on his lap and, and we would drive. And those were precious moments for me and my dad. And the thing that I loved about it when I think back about it is the fact that he was there the whole time guiding me through it. He wouldn't let me turn too much to the right or too much to the left. He would let me steer it, right? I wasn't even tall enough to reach the pedals. So he would do that. But, but there is a sense of protection, a sense of security that came when I knew I was sitting in my father's lap as he guided me to where I needed to go as I drove and eventually to the point where I passed my driver's license test. My dad would guide me throughout all of that. And this morning, I've been assigned to talk about the importance of our heavenly father's guidance in our own life. 
You see, we've been in a series about the Lord's Prayer and the importance, first of all, of praying and specifically how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. We've read about the Father's character, right? We've read about the kingdom coming, how to pray for that. We've prayed for his provision and about the forgiveness that he has to offer us. But this morning, I've been assigned to speak on the importance of praying for the Father's guidance, specifically asking this question, why did Jesus teach his disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation? This is verse 13, the first half of the verse. The second half says, but deliver us from the evil one. But we're going to focus on lead us not into temptation. Why did Jesus teach his disciples to pray that? And, and why was it so significant, right? Because I believe that this verse is important, one, because it pertains to temptation, but it's also important to understand what types of temptations Jesus is speaking to, but also why we are to pray that God would not lead us into temptation. And when you look at the word temptation in the Bible, there are two specific meanings that we see uh, that in Scripture of how to define temptations. The first one is the most common that we probably think about the most when we think of temptation is our, our fleshly desires, right? We're still prone to wander, as we sang in the song. We're still people that live in a broken world and we have a tendency to be in places where temptation will be thrown at us, right? Now, there's a difference between being tempted and falling into that temptation, but temptation is specifically that which are, are thrown at us to attack our fleshly desires, to coerce us into doing things that we know would separate us from the Father communion-wise. The second type of temptation that we see in Scripture are trials, hardships, testing of one's faith. But through these testings and, and trials and hardships that we walk through, we also see that that helps produce endurance and perseverance within our faith. And a great example, I think, in the, in the Bible of someone who lived through this type of walk or journey is King David. I think King David is a great example of what it looked like to go through temptations and, and trials, but to also see how the Father guided him in every step of the way. By far, one of the most famous passages that we love and, and cherish is found in, in Psalm 23. And it's a poem that David wrote, and some would say it's a prayer that David wrote to the Lord as he reflected and meditated on who God is, one as a shepherd, but also for us as a, a shepherd and a father. And it starts like this. Psalms 23, verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. What a famous psalm this is. And how David viewed the Father's guidance. Because the first thing that we need to acknowledge before we even talk about temptation itself or trials is to acknowledge the one who is guiding us. David acknowledges first that the father is the one who is guiding him, the good shepherd that he is. We need to understand that he guides us in his goodness because our father is a good father. 
and we can trust that he will guide us in his goodness. That's the first point that I want us to, to, to make because we're called to submit to the Father's guidance. There, there's a plea in the Lord's prayer, lead us for him to do that. Lead us into not temptation. There needs to be a heart transformation and understanding of who is leading us so that we would submit to his guidance. The first part of the Lord's prayer spoke about the Father's character. So we know, right, that he's powerful, that he's mighty, that he's strong. But we also need to be reminded of how much he loves his children, how much he cares for us. Because it is within that love and care that also holds a desire that he has for us. And what is this desire? That we would walk along certain paths that are good and righteous, that we would walk the path of righteousness. Why? Because God is good. And if he says that this is good, then it is good. A good father, a good shepherd, a good leader leads us to places that are good. Places like green pastures, places of rest, Places where we can continue to see his goodness in our lives. We acknowledge who is guiding us. Submit to the Father's guidance. No matter how much we know about him or we believe about him, there has to be a response. There has to be a step within our heart that says, okay, Father, I acknowledge that you're a good God and I acknowledge that you want to guide me in your goodness. So I will submit to that guidance. So much more than just knowing, but there's an action that we must do that shows we trust and believe that he will guide us to those green pastures. And notice what David says comes with submitting to the Father's guidance. There is a refreshment of our soul. What an interesting thing that his soul would be refreshed whenever he submits to the Father's guidance, which we know we need especially in times of temptation, which can be so exhausting physically, mentally, spiritually. But the Father's guidance leads us to a refreshment of our soul and is within that refreshment that he places along the correct path. And how many of us this morning could use a refreshment of our soul? How many of us could use being led to green pastures where we can find rest because we're so tired of the temptations that are thrown at us. We're so tired of where we are. We're so tired of battling. Well, let me ask us, are we being submissive to the Father's guidance? Are we allowing him to lead us to these green pastures, these places of refreshment for our soul? We're tired, falling, exhausted from the trials that we're walking through. But here's the beautiful thing. No matter how much we may struggle, with temptation, no matter the trials, his light will outshine any darkness. Amen. His light is so strong and powerful that any remnants of darkness is non-existent because he is so holy, because he is so bright. But his prayer, this prayer that we see is not a plea only for me as an individual. Notice that. Right? There is an, a, a, this is a prayer that extends to, to my brothers and sisters. It doesn't just say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. It says, lead us not into temptation. There is a purpose 
for placing the word us. And that is for us to see that God intends this prayer to be a collective thing for his church. Which means that everything that I go through not only impacts me, but impacts everyone around me. This is important because there is power in prayer, as we've said. And that power extends to one another. That we would pray that we would all look to the Father as our guide. That he would not just only lead me, but lead our church, our families, our friends to where we need to go. We heard a story just last week about the power of a praying mother. About how a mother prayed for her son at three in the morning, praying that he would not be led into temptation. A son that had been falling off the track. And we got to celebrate last week how that prayer was answered by our God and how he now serves as a pastor. That's the kind of prayer life that God is calling us to. Lead us, not just me, because everything, if I go through something, it hurts not just me, but my wife. It hurts my family. My wife goes through something, it hurts her, it hurts me. Why? Because we love and care for one another as a church should as well. We are to pray that my brother would not be led into that temptation. My sister would not be led into that temptation. Lead us in, in, in green pastures, Lord. Please help my brother or sister. That's why we had prayer this morning. Because it's not just for me, it's for us. And that's why I'm so thankful for my own parents who prayed for me before I was born. Before they even had me or thought about having me, they prayed for me not knowing whether I was going to be a good boy or a bad boy. They prayed. They pleaded with the Lord. I'm thankful for my other parents, my in-laws, who have prayed for me. They prayed for me before I even met my wife. And they're still praying for her. Because they answered their prayer. We have people in our lives that love us, that are praying. And we ought to do the same for each other. He guides us in his goodness. But not only does he guide us in his goodness, he guides us through darkness. Here's the reality. We still live in a broken world. We know that, right? We still see a lot of dark things in this world. It just seems like things are getting darker for some reason. It seems like we can't catch a break. Every day there's something new. A scandal. Another uh, a shooting another moment of, of, of just pain for people. We live in this broken world. There'll be moments that we will walk through, certain places that will require us to find a way out or through. There are moments where temptations will be unavoidable, where the enemy will continue to try to throw things at us to distract us. But the Father is so good that he will guide us through this darkness. James chapter one, verses two through four says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy, it says in James. Now, it's not saying, hey, be happy when you're going through these things, because happiness is, is an emotional, momentary thing that will flee. But joy is everlasting, especially when that joy is coming from the giver of joy himself, which is Jesus. 
And we can have joy going through these things. Why? Because we are producing perseverance. We're producing endurance within our faith. We can also hold on to the promises that the Father has given us. That's why we can have joy. Because he promises that he will lead us through the darkness. We see God use things in this world for our good. And these moments are producing a faith that is persevering and enduring. We might not fully understand it. We might not agree with it. But are we willing to trust that our God is good, first of all? And are we willing to trust that his promises will come true, that temptation and trials will come, but that we can rely on the Father to guide us through darkness? Notice what it says at the end of James, that we lack nothing, nothing lacking. And what does Psalm 23 says? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Which tells us that if we have a good shepherd, a good father, that we can submit to the Father's guidance because we have everything. But being the good shepherd that he is, what does that make us? The sheep, right? We are the sheep that he has to shepherd. Now, I don't know if you know anything about sheep. Okay, I, I, I didn't know much about sheep other than I thought they were cute and cuddly and like you count them so you can try to go to sleep. That's, that's what I knew about sheep. But what I also didn't realize is just how unintelligent they are. I mean, go, literally, as I was preparing, I said, you know what, let me look up some videos of some sheep. And for some reason, I, 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 I don't understand how just dumb these sheep are. Like, literally, they'll, they'll be walking and they'll just see a hole and they'll just like, they don't even think about it. They just fall into the hole. And I'm like, why would you do that, right? Sheep are not smart. They're not wise. They need a shepherd to guide them, right? But sheep are dumb, Isaiah 53 even says, we all like sheep. What did he just say? You guys are dumb, first of all. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We're prone to do things our way because of our stubbornness and fleshly desires that make us think that we have it all together. We just sang that song. Man, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. It's an admittance of, man, I just, I just know myself. If I walk this way, man, there's temptation that way. If I walk over there, man, I know, I just know, God, that I'm prone to leave you. Even when I think I'm in a safe place, even when I'm walking in a line behind other sheep, I see a hole and I just, boom, just like the, the sheep on YouTube, falls right into it, right? That's who we are, which is why we need a good shepherd to lead us through the darkness. Yeah, I mentioned to you earlier how I was really excited about getting my license and finally getting it when I was 16 years old. And, you know, there was a lot more to that journey than just sitting in, a, in my dad's lap. Because actually, a few moments or a few sessions after sitting in my dad's lap of, of him letting me drive the steering wheel, four years old, for some reason I thought, hey, I think I got this down. I think I'm ready to get my license. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to go to school and say, hey, five years old, I got my license. Like, I'm going to be able to drive all the preschoolers around, right, all my friends. That's what I thought. And so I decided to grab the keys, and I grabbed the keys, and I go to the car. It was a Volkswagen. On there. No, it wasn't a Volkswagen. It was a, what was it? Some, some cruiser or something like that. But anyway, I remember getting into the car, and we were, like, up on a hill, right, because that's, that's where we lived. And so the driveway was like this at an angle. 
And I knew that my dad had always put the emergency brake so that the car wouldn't slide. So I knew that that was the only thing that was in my way from showing my dad just, just how awesome I am and, and making him proud because I'm about to drive this car like, like nobody's business. So I get in the car, put the, car, the keys in the ignition. I don't know what I'm doing, but I just know that I have to put this, this brake down. So I grab it with two hands and I slam it down to the ground, right? And boom, I'm like, oh, sweet. And I feel the car kind of start rumbling. And so I'm looking around and I'm like, I, I don't remember this in the lesson. Like I don't, this is not what's supposed to happen. And slowly the car starts moving backwards. So you can imagine a four-year-old in that situation. I started freaking out. This was nothing like, like my dad showed me to do. This was not supposed to happen, right? And now scenarios are coming into my head of all the possible things that could go wrong, right? Oh my goodness, right? The car was going maybe a mile an hour per hour. I thought it was going 100 miles an hour. Like that's how fast I thought it was going. And I'm freaking out thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to crash into a tree or, or, or I'm going to crash into a house. Or what if, what if that kid neighbor is driving the bike and I hit him, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but still like, like that's not good, legally speaking. And so what do I do? I start honking the horn, right? And the, the car wasn't automatic. So I had to do the rolling thing with the window and yell, dad, dad, right? I'm yelling as loud as I can, honking the horn. And my dad comes out and just rushes, right? And puts the brake in, looks at me, what are you doing? What were you thinking, right? Everyone asked me, how do you remember this? Because I remember how mad he was. That's how I remember. Like, what, like, what were you doing, man? And, and me trying to be all cute. Well, dad, I was just trying to make you proud, show you how great of a teacher you are and, and just how awesome I can drive because you're such a good teacher. And he said, well, obviously you didn't learn enough, right? That was one of the scariest moments of my life, but also one of the most memorable moments of my life because I'll never forget what my dad told me. He said, you will never stop needing me. You will never stop needing me. When you get your license, sure, you'll drive, but you're gonna call me whenever you get a flat tire. You're gonna call me for help because you don't know how to do that. And once you learn that, maybe you, you'll go up, get married. You're going to have to call me to figure out how to add your wife onto your insurance. Then later on in life, you're going to have kids. You're going to call me and ask me how in the world I handle teaching you so that you can handle teaching your kids. But no matter what, son, you will never stop needing me. Ever. And how much more should we have a posture of like that to our Heavenly Father? knowing that we will never stop needing him. How much more do we need him knowing that we battle spiritual realms of evil things that are thrown at us? Because he's the one that holds the power. He's the one that will provide a way out. He is our good shepherd who holds the guidance of a great father. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Temptation is a common thing, Corinthians tells us. It's common because the world, again, as we mentioned, is broken. But we know that he will lead us through the darkness and that he will provide a way for us to flee temptation to get through the darkness, to get through certain times in our life that seem so hard to get through that we feel we'll never get through. He will remain faithful. 
All you got to do is look back in some of the situations in the past of your life and remember how he got you through those moments of difficulties, of temptation. And even David believed this. He says it here in Psalm 23, starting in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Even though we walk through the valley, church, our Father is with us. Amen? Our Father is faithful, which means that we shall fear no evil that comes our way. But an important question that we ask ourselves, that we have to ask ourselves is this, are we with him? We often say, man, God is with me, God is with me, God is with you. Hey, that's great. But are you with him? Do you seek him? Do you turn your face to him? Do you look for him? Because this is the whole point of the prayer. That we would pray, lead us. And that when temptation comes my way, that we would yell out, dad, help. Dad, I didn't listen. Remember, I'm a sheep. I wandered. I need you to come guide me again. Because you're a good shepherd and you promised that you would do that. We will never stop needing our father. We will never stop calling out for him and he will never stop being there for us. That's the beautiful thing about it. He will always be ready to guide us. And what I love that David compares his comfort to is that he compares it to a rod and a staff. That the rod and the staff comfort him. The rod, which was meant to hit sheep, right? Put them back in line so that they wouldn't wander off anymore. The staff, which represents who the leader was, who the shepherd was, who was in charge. Those were the things that comforted David. Those were the, the, that was the posture of his heart towards the father's guidance. We forget that the peace that we have comes through a price, that there will be challenges, that there will be difficulties and discomfort, but we can trust the rod and the staff that the father holds because he is good. But we know that we also do this in the presence of enemies that do not want the kingdom to advance, which is why they will throw, he will throw any temptation at us, but he will provide a way, the Father says, through the darkness. But it's not just about guiding us through the darkness because there's a plan. There's a whole point to this. There's a point for him guiding us through the darkness. And that is so that he would guide us to our fullness. The Father will guide us to our fullness. The way that Psalms 23 ends is so magnificent. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely I am confident that your goodness, Father, and your love are going to follow me all the days of my life. That even though I walk through the valley, once I get there, once we get through it, once you guide me through that dark valley, your love and your goodness will follow me. And guess what? I'm going to dwell with you forever and ever in your house. That is the promise that the Father has for her. There is a confidence that David has that all things were going to turn out fine. And even more than that, they're gonna, he's going to be able to dwell with his Father forever. That is the reason why we pray and we plea for him not to lead us in temptation. So that we would continue to strive to our fullness, 
to the point that we are forever in his presence. That is the prayer life that Jesus wants for us to have. But how do we know that this is even possible? How do we know? Well, we know because there was one who was tempted in every way, every shape, every form, yet was without sin. We read about it in Luke and in Matthew, Jesus being led to the desert. And there, God permitted Jesus to be tempted. And Satan tempted him, attacking his identity. And, and, and this is very important. God does not tempt. We know that. We read that in James as well. God is not the tempter. But he does allow for us to go through seasons or to go, to go through places that temptations are unavoidable. That circumstances will change. Circumstances will be difficult. But he provides a way out. But we also know that because Jesus never failed, never fell to the temptations that he had means that we can be confident in him. I mean, the temptation that Jesus went through attacked his identity, telling him to, to turn stones into bread and, 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 and tempting him to, to come off a, a mountain and that an angel would come and pick him up or, or he was offering the kingdoms to Jesus saying, hey, you're the true king, right? Take all these kingdoms. But Jesus never once folded. He never once fell for these temptations that were thrown at him. And here's the thing that we can hold on to, that if God led Jesus through this darkness, then he will lead us through the darkness. If he led Jesus to a place to the point of death, such as leading him to a cross, why did he do that? So that we would have access to him, the father. But Jesus died on the cross, didn't stay dead. He was raised back to life. And there we have the opportunity to have life as well so that we could be led to our fullness. Here's the thing. It's tempting to look at this verse, to read, lead us not into temptation, and to focus on temptation itself. That's, that's if we're being honest, that's, that's the most common thing that we want to do. We read, lead us not into temptation, but we overlook the first part, which is the whole point of leading us because we want to focus on temptation. We'd rather say, God, give me a plan. Give me, give me what I need to do so that I can avoid all these temptations so that hopefully they don't come anymore because that way I don't have to fall into these temptations and then commit sin. Lord, show me what I need to do. Show me, show me how I can handle this a little bit better. How can I, how can I get this out of my life? But we're missing the whole point. Because the point was not for us to have a plan to avoid temptation. The whole point is not for him to lead us uh, not into temptation, but it's to focus on the fact that when we go through temptation, not if, but when we go through temptation, to see that we can't handle it on our own. That's the point. We ask for these plans as if we had the power to actually execute them the way that the Father could. No, remember your sheep. You don't have power. You need to be led. That's the whole point of this prayer, that we would seek him who has the power to do more than enough, to emphasize that we need to cry out to the Father for guidance, that we need to trust the Father because that is what Jesus demonstrated. He even wanted the cup to be taken from him before he died. But what was his prayer? But your will be done, not mine. He still trusted the Father. 
Jesus' human side and all the stress, asked, Lord, take this cup, lead me not into this. But the Father, who is the guider, who is the guide, he's the one that his will needed to be done. And Jesus admitted to that because he trusted the Father. And so we are to trust the Father. And the way to do that is the plea and the cry that he would be that guidance and the focus of our life. This has more to do, this prayer has more to do with the Father than what I can and can't do. Why did Jesus tell his disciples to pray this? Because it would ultimately show that we can't do this on our own. To show that we need to run to the Father so that he would guide us, so that he would guide us in his goodness He would guide us to the darkness and guide us to our fullness. That is the prayer that we are to have. And yes, we're to walk in righteousness for sure. But the whole point of this series about the Lord's Prayer is to bend the knee and pray in the Lord's Prayer that focuses on him and not me. That's the focal point. The entire Lord's Prayer is the focus on God and who he is. Because when we focus on him, everything else, everything else, any darkness, any sin, any temptation is outshined by the light of his glory. That's a beautiful thing to remember. So the question I have for us is this, who is leading you? Who is guiding you? Or what is guiding you in this life? Because anything, anything aside from the Father that is guiding you will ultimately guide you to places of of death, (laughs) of pain, of hurt, of sorrow, without any hope at all. But if you're being guided by the Father, then his guidance will lead you through that darkness to places like green pastures, a refreshment for your soul. It will guide you to life. It will guide you to your fullness. And maybe some of you this morning need to make that decision to submit to the Father's guidance. The way you do that is by acknowledging who he is but also acknowledging who you are. And you are, just like me, someone who is broken and in need of a savior, a sheep in need of a shepherd. And he says, come to me, all who are broken and weary, I will give you rest. Come to me, repent and believe that I have come to be your good shepherd, that I have come to provide a way through your temptations, through your trials. Lead us not into temptation is a focus on his guidance and his promise that he will lead us to our fullness. And if that's you, I invite you to make that decision today. Or maybe you're someone who is going through a valley right now. Maybe you're someone who is struggling with a temptation. And the Lord is here telling you, hey, I, I have provided a way out. Just run to me. Come to me. I will guide you. So as we pray, think about what we've read today in scripture and about where you are in your life and ask yourself, who is guiding me? And will I submit to the Father? Because he has sent us into this world to be a disciple maker. But we need to make sure that he continues to lead us in a way that we are not of this world because we're not. Our citizenship is with him forever and ever. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this moment. Jesus, I thank you for reminding us of who you are, of your faithfulness, of reminding us that you will guide us 
Father, in your goodness, that you will guide us through the darkest valleys of our lives, through temptations, because ultimately you want us to forever be with you in your presence. And so as we walk this earth, as we walk through the, the plans and purpose that you have for us, may you continue to be the sole guide of our lives. And may we continue to trust you, Jesus, as we walk as disciples, eager to show the world who you are so that more disciples would come to know you as their Savior and as their Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.